the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick. Since God controls time and the seasons, He's sovereign, He's over all and over everything, then our objective is that whatever time or season we presently find ourselves in, to enjoy it, to see God in this season, to recognize His goodness and His faithfulness in the present. Too many times we get stuck either reminiscing or regretting past times or hoping for or longing for future times. And in the process, we miss the present. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Ecclesiastes. It's easy to get so wrapped up in looking forward to things that we forget to appreciate the moments we are currently living. Pastor Gary challenges us to appreciate the present. When we entrust our lives to God, He will place us where He wants us. As such, we would be foolish to not find the joy in the situations which we are in. If you find yourself constantly complaining about where you are in life, ask Jesus for a change of heart. Allow Him to help you see the blessings which surround you and to teach you from the struggles you are in. Well, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 with part two of his message, The Temporal and the Eternal. You know, there's a time to be born, a time to die, and then all these other things in between. I mean, we understand this about life, right? I mean, you, you know, you're born, you start out bald, toothless, eating soft food and wearing diapers. And you end up bald, toothless, eating soft food and wearing diapers. And in the middle, you get a job. I've already told my kids, I said, listen, I changed your diapers when you were little. You're going to be changing mine. I'm just sorry. So it's going to happen. It's going down one day. But that's the way life is. And Solomon is basically saying, since life is like this, it kind of cancels itself out with these polarities of events that happen all through your lifetime, then what, what really is the point in all of this? And he does come to realize two particular points about how temporal life is. And what he realizes are these two things here in this chapter, that time is in God's hands, number one, and number two, that whatever time or season of life you find yourself, enjoy it. So on the first point, time is in God's hands. Notice again, verse 1, that's how he starts this. He says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. There is a time. There's a season. 
and time is in God's hands because he says in verse 11 that God has made everything beautiful in its time. In its time. In his search for truth, Solomon concluded that God has a purpose for everything and that the times and seasons are in his hands. So Solomon is correct about this. Now, his theology is not always correct because he's in a bad place without God. There's some parts of chapter 3 where, you know, he's, he's not really on point. He even said later in chapter 3, I'm not sure whether man's spirit goes up and whether the animal go, spirit goes down. I, I'm not even sure about this. Well, you know, he should be sure, but he, he's not in a good place with God, so he doesn't know the difference. But time is in God's hands, and God is the one who orchestrates and organizes times and seasons. It's not within our control. Those things are within God's control. All we can do is measure time and mark it. That's all we can do. And and I suppose bide your time, but I mean, uh, otherwise, we have no control over it. Time Time is something that just keeps moving on with or without us. It's an interesting dynamic. I read a quote once by Vince Lombardi, the great football coach, who said that I've never lost a game. I just ran out of time. <laughs> and the truth is that all of us are going to run out of time because we're only given a certain allotment of time. And all of our times and all of our seasons are in God's hand because he's sovereign. He's outside of time. He's outside of the time-space continuum. But he intervenes wherever and whenever he chooses. In Daniel chapter 2, verse 21, the Bible says that God changes times and seasons. He sets up kings and deposes them. So God is even concerned about the season of those kings who rule. And he sets up one and deposes another. Times and seasons are in God's hands. They're in his control. Even Jesus said concerning his second coming, he told his disciples before he ascended back into heaven. In Acts 1, 7, he said, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Now, again, he's speaking there in the context of his own second coming, but yet the principle is true about all things, that it is God's prerogative and it is his authority that determines times and seasons. We don't. We just live out our time within the framework of God's providential time, which means that since we can't hasten time, we can't delay time, we can't control time, we just simply need to trust God's timing. His timing is always perfect. And we may not understand the season. We may not even particularly like the season that we might be in. But God's timing is perfect. He is sovereign concerning time. We can't change it, hasten it, deny it, or control it. So all we can do is trust God in that timing. David said this in Psalm 31, 15, My times are in your hands, Lord. He understood this. We need to understand everything about our lives. My time is in your hands, Lord, Psalm 31, 15. But the second aspect to this is since God controls time and the seasons, he's sovereign, he's over all and over everything, then our objective is that whatever time or season we presently find ourselves in, to enjoy it, to see God in this season, to recognize his goodness and his faithfulness in the present. Too many times we get stuck either reminiscing or regretting past times or hoping for or longing for future times. And in the process, we miss the present. 
And that's part of what Solomon came to realize. He's like, you know what? I just have to realize that because God is sovereign, he controls time, and I have no control over that. I just need to be able to enjoy and appreciate right here, right now, where God has me, and begin to see him in this moment. Again, too many times we want to hasten things along, or we spend too much time obsessing about the past. Parents, you know, we can be guilty of this because we look at our young kids and we are always thinking about the next season for them. And usually it's with good intent because we want progress for them. So, we're, so like, you know, it gets monotonous, doesn't it, when your baby's in diapers? And so you start saying, you know, I can't wait until my baby's out of diapers. I'm looking for the next season when I don't have to be changing stinky diapers all the time. And then they get out of diapers, and, and now they're potty trained. And, and then you're like, I, it's going to be wonderful when they go to kindergarten, and they start school. It's going to be so sweet. And then they start kindergarten, they go to school. And then you're like, I can't wait till they're old enough to be able to get up on a Saturday morning on their own, get their own bowl of cereal, and watch cartoons and let me sleep. And you, So then you start thinking about that season, and like, wouldn't it be great, you know, eventually when they, they, they're playing peewee ball, and like, oh, that's so great. And then they play peewee ball, and then you're like, I can't wait till they're doing this in high school. And it's, it's going to be wonderful to go they're high school games and all along the way what happens is season after season passes and you don't enjoy the moment and before you know it they're out of the house and you're thinking to yourself where did time go and did I spend enough time with my kids and by the way teens can be guilty of this too because it starts to kick in around the teen years and friction starts to set in and then a teen starts to think I can't wait till I get my driver's license and then you get your driver's license, and then you have some little freedom. You start driving, and then you go, I can't wait till I get out of the house. And then you get out of the house, and then you start thinking to yourself, wow, I kind of had it good back at home. <laughs> Every parent now is like, did you hear that? Get... I want you to download this podcast. Listen to that again. Listen again. You don't appreciate what you have. Anyway, you get the idea. The idea is that we are wanting to rush the next season. Or we have regrets about past seasons, but we have to live for what it is now and enjoy now. This is why he writes in verse 12, I know that there is nothing better for men than to be happy and do good while they live. Like, Like, enjoy the present here. Enjoy each season you are in. It won't come around again. Do we all get this? The season you're in right now will not come around again. So enjoy it now. My Latin teacher in high school would always say to me, carpe diem, Mr. Hamrick, carpe diem. You know, like seize the day, seize the moment. I'm like, yeah, okay, but what if you're in a bad season? What if it's crappy diem? You know what I'm saying to you? (laughs) And some of you are feeling that way. Some of you are like, I'm in a bad season. You know, I can't wait till the season leaves. And, And, you know, in all honesty, God in his grace also ushers in a new season because sometimes the season we are in is hard. There are still lessons to be learned. But nevertheless, God in his grace, he'll bring a new season in time. So I'm not trying to dismiss if you're in a bad season, just like somehow enjoy it. But I'm just speaking about the context here that Solomon writes is don't regret the past season and don't always wish for the next. Savor now. Savor now. Enjoy where God has you now. Blaise Pascal, I I quoted him last week in reference to this God-shaped hole that we all have in our heart. He's uh, one of my favorite philosophers. He's a French guy from the 17th century, but he was a Christian philosopher, mathematician. He wrote something that 
is so wordy that I decided I'll just summarize it. And what, what, what basically Pascal said was this. If we live in the past or live in the future, we never live because we always miss the present. Think about that. If we live in the past or live in the future, we never live because we always miss the present. We have to learn to enjoy the season we are in because then that means we're trusting God's timing. Well, let me move on. The second thing that Solomon mentions here is that death is inevitable. He says in verse 2, there's a time to be born and a time to die. And he speaks about death further on in this chapter as well. Now listen, you know, Solomon's not trying to be a pessimist here. He's just being a realist. Every single one of us will die. Barring the second coming of Christ, when there's a generation that will not experience death, and God will take Christians to be with him in heaven. Barring that, every single one of us will die. Ten out of ten people die. And that's just a reality. So we need to be prepared for this reality. Arnold Schwarzenegger once said this, quote, I've always been extremely angry about the idea of death. It's such a waste. I know it's inevitable, but what the blank is that? He says, your whole life, you work, you try to improve yourself, you save money, you invest wisely, and all of a sudden, poof, it's over. Death angers me more than ever, end quote. Now, he sounds a lot like Solomon, doesn't he? It's like, you know, I don't get this. It seems to be so meaningless. You know, you try to do the best you can all your life, and you earn, and you save, and you, and you, and you try to be successful, and then it's all over in a moment. You die, and then you, and you leave your goods to somebody else. Well, listen, if you, if you don't know the Lord... In a personal way, you're apt to feel the same way that Arnold Schwarzenegger did or the way that Solomon writes here. It can be very depressing if you don't have the hope of who the Lord is. Death can be something that is very fearful if you don't know the Lord. I mean, death by itself is fearful, even if you do know the Lord, in the sense that it's the unknown. But when you know the Lord, at least you have that peace that when death comes, it's not the end. Because for the Christian, death is just a transition. For those who know Christ as their Savior, death is just a transition. It's moving from this life immediately into the presence of the Lord. You step from here into eternity, and death is just that transition from here to now. Now, of course, death itself is grievous to us when we lose a loved one. But to the one dying in Christ... This is just a transition from here into the presence of the Lord. Do not believe what Jehovah's Witnesses will try to tell you. That when you die, you just go into the ground and it's just called soul sleep. Do not believe that. Paul made it clear in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, that to be absent from the body, when I die, when my body goes into the ground, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Because for a Christian, when you die, your spirit separates from your body. And your spirit immediately goes in the presence of the Lord. And your spirit is the real essence of who you are. Because your spirit is the sum total of your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions. And you retain your understanding. And you will recognize your loved ones when you get to heaven, those who are already there, who have have preceded you. There is an awareness and an understanding. Now we know in part, then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. And so as mysterious somewhat as death is, 
It is nothing for the Christian to fear because it is a transition from here into the Lord's presence. And this is why Paul will write in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. He says, where, O death, is your, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? I mean, how can it really sting us when it is just simply a transition from here into the presence of the Lord? There's no victory that death has over us in Christ because we go to be with the Lord. Jesus said in John 5, 24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. So death is inevitable, but death is something that as Christians we should not be afraid of. Now, unfortunately, because Solomon is not in a good place when he's writing this in chapter 3, he questions whether man has any advantage over a dog when it comes to death. Look further down in verse 19. In verse 19, he says, man's fate is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Man has no advantage over the animal. Everything is meaningless. Okay, well, again... His theology is weak here because he doesn't understand God in the equation at this time in his life. We do have an advantage over the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom for that matter. Because extended to humanity is the promise of eternal life when we believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And therefore, out of all of God's creation, mankind has been given the opportunity to trust Christ as our Savior. And therefore, then when we die, we go to be with him forever. This is what Jesus would say in John 11, 25 and 26, when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. Now, that sounds like a contradiction, but what he means is, even though you die physically, you will live spiritually because you'll go to be with the Lord. He says, and then he who liveth and believeth in me will never die. He speaks here of eternity because through faith in Christ, death is that transition from the temporal to the eternal. But in between the temporal and eternal, when we die, there is following judgment. That's the next thing on his list here from chapter 3. And Hebrews 9.27 does say that it is appointed once for a man to die, and after that, the judgment. Now Solomon is correct. Look at verse 17 here in chapter 3, verse 17. He says, I thought in my heart God will bring to judgment both the righteous and the wicked, for there will be a time for every activity, a time for every deed. And he's right about that. God is our righteous judge. And every single person must stand before the Lord and give an account of himself or herself to God. This is what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. In other words, Paul's saying that the decisions you make in the temporal will affect the eternal. And that we have a window of opportunity in the time of the temporal to choose Christ and to surrender our lives to him because that will impact eternity. But judgment is a reality. All of us must give an account. Now, here's the good news, though. As a Christian, your judgment is now satisfied at the cross. You see, the punishment intended for me was placed on Jesus and by his stripes, by his crucifixion, I'm made whole. I am healed. I am saved. Okay? So there is a, an accounting, but for the Christian, judgment, and listen, by the way, seven times just in the New Testament, it speaks of a literal day of judgment. Seven times in the New Testament. There's a literal day of judgment. But for the Christian, for the one who's trusted Christ as his or her Savior, 
The judgment day is not a day of condemnation. It is a day of commendation. Because for believers who have already been forgiven in Christ, Jesus talked in John 5, I just read it a moment ago, crossing from death to life, the judgment has been satisfied by virtue of your faith in Christ on the cross, and therefore then when you stand before God, you've already been forgiven. His judging of you, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, is just to test those things while done in the temporal, how it should be rewarded. The judgment for a Christian is a matter of what rewards that God will bestow upon us, but not as a matter of condemnation because that's already been paid for on the cross. That's why Paul writes in Romans, there's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus because our judgment has been satisfied. The the price has been paid in full. Our record has been expunged. So when we stand before Christ, the judgment for a Christian is not of one of condemnation, whether or not we'll go to heaven or whether or not we'll go to hell. That's already been determined by virtue of our faith in the Lord. Now when we stand before the Lord on that day of accounting, it will be for the purpose of bestowing upon us any rewards that he should determine that he should give us. Which leads us to the last thing. Eternity is undeniable. Now, eternity is a, is a term used to express the concept of something that has no ending and no beginning, for that matter. And God has no beginning or ending. God is outside of the, the realm of time. And Solomon acknowledges in verse 14, notice in verse 14, he says, I know that everything God does will endure forever. So Solomon is aware of the concept of eternity. He says, everything God does, it's going to last forever because he recognizes the eternity of God. And then he adds in verse 11, look in your Bibles at verse 11, the second part of verse 11. He says, and God has also set eternity in the hearts of men. Yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. God has also set eternity in our hearts. In other words, God has placed an eternal longing in each of us. That there is this undeniable innate knowledge that there is something more than what this world has to offer. There is something more than here and now. That there is this innate sense in all of us, this undeniable understanding of the concept of eternity, that that life is more than just here and now. God's placed that in our hearts. We possess that innate knowledge that there is something more to life than what we can see and experience in the here and now. And everybody is in pursuit of it. Buddhists and Hindus are in pursuit of it through reincarnation. Muslims are in pursuit of it through good works and jihad. But anyone can find it through a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death. The cost, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. God has not just simply placed the concept of eternity in our hearts. God has made eternity a reality for everyone who trusts Christ as their Lord and Savior. And this is why Solomon writes that it's been placed in our hearts. And he adds in verse 11, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for them that love him. Eternity awaits. Heaven is real. It is our hope. It is our joy. It is our inheritance. 
as followers of Jesus Christ. And anyone can believe and receive in Christ as your Lord and Savior and have access to heaven. Heaven is not just an inevitable destination. I know you go to a lot of funerals and people talk about Uncle Charlie's in heaven, Uncle Charlie's in heaven. I hope Uncle Charlie's in heaven, but we throw that term around like everybody goes there. Heaven is accessible to anyone, but anyone doesn't just end up there. The access is through Jesus Christ and knowing him as your personal Lord and Savior. Life is temporal. Death is inevitable. Judgment is unavoidable, but eternity is undeniable. We're so blessed to be able to bring you challenging and biblically-based teaching with each new edition of Cornerstone Connection. We hope your faith is made stronger each time you tune in, as well as each time you open your Bible for yourself. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Gary's teachings in the book of Ecclesiastes, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc. We have an extensive archive of teachings available for you there, which you can listen to or watch right online. Feel free to share these with friends and family. You can also download our mobile app to keep God's Word with you as you go about your daily activities. Do you live in the Leesburg area, or will you be visiting soon? If so, we'd like to extend an invitation to join us for our weekly gatherings. We meet each week to spend time in prayer and worship, studying the Bible, and getting to know each other better. Visit cornerstoneconnection.cc to get service times, more information, and directions. You can also call us 703-771-1500. We love getting to chat with our listeners and finding out how we can be praying for them. That number again is 703-771-1500. Thanks for joining us today, and be sure to tune in again to Cornerstone Connection. No place to go, but still you know, still you know you're not alone. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.